Hello. Hello. And welcome back to This Is Not a History Lecture. Lecture. Every and time you say, are you ready to record our podcast? I'm like, what? Yeah, well, I say it with a tone in my voice because oh, like, you what, do. The, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. I know. So I was talk- so two of my best friends do know that I do this now. And they were talking about like this five-year reunion, our high school reunion. And I was like, ew, oh, first Lord. of all, I'm too young for that. Second of all, yeah. um, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And then I was like, well, I have to tell people that I do this. I mean, I don't Only have if you to, want to. But then like. You haven't even told your parents. Oh, it's not for lack of trying. Oh, I know. <laughs> They're just oblivious. <laughs> I want to say that, like, my mom and, like, everyone I've told about this, like, feels so bad for you. Because, no, it's funny at this Because they're like, oh my god, Kat's family just like doesn't listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like to say my family is incredible and I love them yeah. and they're fantastic and they do listen to me. I've just dropped it very in passing <laughs> and I don't know how they've missed it, but they... <laughs> it's, oh that's kind of why it's so funny is because they're usually extremely attentive. Yeah. Like, and they're yeah, very invested in our lives. Like, yeah. my parents are just very... Which is, like, what, what the vibe I've gotten. And then, like, yeah. just... This my parents is just are so... very invested in our lives. They want to know how that's our so weeks funny. are, how that our days are. That just makes it funny. That's, what's, that's why it's a running oh, joke. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So, today is our 13th episode. Very exciting. Woo-hoo. Very exciting. We have one big announcement. We got to 300 downloads. Thank you. Very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you to everyone involved. Though we have slowed down since then, so we're going to hold you accountable and ask that you share it with your friends and family. You all love us, right? I don't know how we're going to hold you accountable, but, but like, I don't know either. Um, hollow threats still work. We'll do something really boring. Yeah, like an episode about <laughs> yeah. um, all the white male presidents. <laughs> we'll all do a 20-part series. <laughs> Yeah, Kat will cover one and I'll cover the next one. It'll be really excruciatingly boring. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hate it. You'll hate it. We will hate it too. I think they can hear this. They heard that. Yeah, well, Kat is battling various injuries. (laughs) I don't know how she functions. I don't either. At this point, tell tell, tell the audience what happened yesterday, where you ended up. (laughs) I ended up in the emergency room. Yeah, tell us why, Kat. Because you ignored part of your body that was... <laughs> okay, my my right arm started going numb Monday, and I didn't take care of it Monday, yesterday, Saturday. <laughs> Monday. Today's Sunday. That's a whole week. <laughs> to be fair, it didn't go numb numb until yesterday morning, and then I was already at work when I started getting freaked out, so I waited till I was done with work. Oh my god, and then, Kat. And then I went home and had my friend drive me to the ER. <laughs> They freaked me out, though, because I called our university health system, and they were they freaked me out so bad. They were like, you need to call an ambulance right now, because apparently any numbness of extremities is, like, standard for them to assume hmm. blood clot or something, and they, like, they freaked me out. They were I like, mean, I guess that's warranted. to go to the hospital now, yeah. and I was like, ah, ah, and I get to the... I get to that one I did go to, and, I, and they were like, no, you're you're okay. Just okay, be good. prepared. And I was like, yeah. awesome. They did tell me to, like... I'm glad Keep you Keep an went. eye on it in case it yes. is, but they think it's just, like, since my bones dislocate, they think that I probably leaned on my arm weird mm. and caught a nerve somehow while yeah. my joints were slipping, and, like, somehow just, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm supposed yeah. to get it well, to I go back. Well, I guess it's, like, yeah, I, I don't guess feel... especially since you got the Johnson Johnson vaccine. I like, think that's what they probably They were like, thought. oh, like, no. Yeah, but no, I'm yeah. okay. But if you hear crinkling, it's my little ice bag. I'm trying to find a way to bring some feeling back into my yes. the right half of my Kat right arm. Kat has grown very familiar with ice bags over yes. the last few weeks. But, yes. oh, my God. Anyway. It was fun. It was, you can't tell Kat. Kat stresses me out a little bit. She doesn't take care of her body. How, how do you do that when you have... Cat. <laughs> I literally leaned over to pick up a two by four and dislocated a rib. I couldn't predict that. Oh my god! I literally can't predict. I it. know, I know, and it's not your fault. But I'm just like oh, stressful. In the words of Lady Gaga, "I was born this way." I don't know if that's what Lady Gaga meant when she said that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, um, one thing I wanted to mention. So our lovely friend Joy, who has become a very invested listener, yes, Joy. Um, sent us some emails, um, and she wanted us. She had some uh, answers for the questions we posed last episode. Oh, so Joy will be our first audience inclusion. Mm. It could be you next. You never know. Just send us an email. 
This yeah. is not a history lecture at gmail.com. <laughs> anyway, so she says that the Silk Road was her favorite topics in world history. Um, and she wants to answer the question we had about early writing and paper. So she says one of the earliest forms was invented in Mesopotamia around 3400 to 3300 BCE called cuneiform, which, yes, mm-hmm. we are familiar um, shortly after that. And that's like, if you don't know, cuneiform is kind of like the wedge shaped writing um kind of a cross between like an alphabet and like hieroglyphics um shortly after that the egyptians had a system around 3200 bce and had papyrus around 3000 bce um papyrus apparently they used it from 3000 to 11000 ce so (laughs) 4000 years um it's a good run yeah so she says we were correct for the most part and then she says china is harder to narrow down exactly when they were fully implementing writing due to the scarcity of resources but there's evidence for a complete writing system by 1300 bce in the late Shang dynasty so that's really cool wow thanks joy yeah coming in clutch thanks joy yeah that's really cool thanks for that information that could be you next time um random listener yes mysterious listener yes um other than that, how's your uh, how's your good week? Other than good week, we had yeah, some. We had a pa- a completely. This paper was the dumbest thing I've ever. Paper. It's. I can't even explain to you what this paper was. When I tell you, like every time I went back and looked at the prompt, it just got so angry, because like it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like this weird cross between a reflection paper and a research paper she like wanted us to have a thesis and sources but it was like entirely reflection and then she wanted us to have all these like original thoughts but she like listed out the the prompt was so freaking long that she took all of the like any original ideas we could have had and like wrote them down so where it looks like i was just copying what she said oh my god it was so frustrating it was really frustrating um i wrote it very poorly told oh mine was, I was so bad edit, too. and then i no. looked at it and i was like i literally cannot physically make myself edit this i, I just can't <laughs> I, I like finish it and i was like i know this doesn't make coherent sense i'm gonna turn it in <laughs> you okay did you hear that was that your rib no that was my shoulder oh my god <laughs> if you're like not into bar- body horror maybe you should like stop <laughs> listening to us <laughs> but yeah no i same i literally yeah. was like yeah i'm gonna edit i'm gonna proof for- no no, no. I'm so also, over that i don't class. think she'll even have time to grade them all no probably not probably not yeah <laughs> not yeah. our problem was um it was good you know had work yesterday wasn't very exciting and then i'm here now i'm proud of you hey we have one final left and then we're done with the semester so we're so close tomorrow morning nine we'll right? be done yep we'll be done <sighs> we just gotta get through that yeah that's like less than 24 hours we got Shh, this i haven't studied oh i haven't studied either i'm not too worried about it we'll be fine <laughs> i was a little distracted last night that's fine yeah cat is watching avatar the last airbender oh i meant the er but yeah that too <laughs> oh she did also go to the emergency room um but yeah obviously the not mo- not the most important thing but in i my am book. close to finishing avatar so as soon as that final's done yes. i'll probably work the rest of the day get some hours out and then come home and yes. watch it I'll life text you as I please watch. do. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, I think we're ready, ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you paid attention to our Twitter where uh, we are at T we are at T I N A H L podcast. Uh, I tweet out every week. Every week for a sneak preview of what mm-hmm. we're doing this week. You, you don't have to live in suspense. No. You can you, you can, can check on Thursdays. On I say that watch Turn me. those notifications on. Watch me forget to like update it next week anyway <laughs> most weeks so if you know it's perfect <laughs> yeah if you pay attention you will have noticed some fun pictures and you've probably guessed mine is the dust bowl, the dust bowl. sounds dusty it was it was and very dusty maybe a little bit bowl shaped sorry <laughs> <laughs> you know what kaylee it's never gonna be boring <laughs> So, fun fact, they actually had the nickname the Dirty 30s because, mm. I know, I've heard this, like, talked about in, like, women, like, as yeah. a time of, like, sexuality. In their 30s? Women. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, a final kick before your libido starts to cool down. I don't know. Don't say too much about that. My mom is over 30. I don't need to know about that information. <laughs> she listens to this. Hey, this is just scientific information I have heard. Ew. I don't even know if it's true. But... Um, apparently it's also the name for the 1930s 
in which the Dust Bowl came along where everything got really dirty because it was covered in sand. That was weird. That I think we're weird. okay. Yeah. Um, um, if you heard some weird crinkling, Cat's mic is an interesting setup, so it could be. It could be that. that. I'll be careful. Yeah, we'll be careful. Okay. Um, you probably know its best representation. There are a couple movies and books about it. Um, there, there's that really famous Dorothea Lange photo. The is it migrant mother, the yes. woman with her children. I think that's the name of it. Um, probably one of the most famous photos in American history. Honestly. Of the depression. Is that from the Dust Bowl? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just like a depression. Thing. Well, I mean, it was going on at the same During time. During the depression. Yeah. yeah. It's just ah. partially why this got so bad. I, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, this is mostly a, an American issue, but they did feel the effects of it up in like Canada and stuff too. Um, this It took place in the Southern Plains. So think uh, top of Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, but some of these dust storms were so strong that they were felt all the way out in D.C. and New York. Whoa. Like, yeah. Whoa. Bad. So there were ships in the Atlantic that were finding dust on their Whoa. boats. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, yeah. that's a lot This dust. is not an isolated that's like, thing. You know, they talk about, like, every year, like, the African dust cloud that, like, comes over. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Mm-hmm. Like, worse. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. So, the actual dust bowl happened in the 30s, but it was really... A kind of culmination of a lot of years of bad farming techniques and other causes it just mm-hmm. kind of exploded because of in the 30s they ended up with some droughts that just amplified the issue so there were some areas that experienced drought for up to eight years at a time but the widespread droughts like the really severe ones came in 35 36 and 39 and 40 kind of like that bridge between the years okay yeah so it's usually taught i was taught as a continuous span of a singular drought but a lot of mm-hmm. it was really like a lot of small ones okay a yeah. couple years apart and it wouldn't let the land heal mm-hmm. so after the civil war the government is really trying to get people to move out towards the plains mm-hmm. and they're using incentives like the homestead act of 1862 mm-hmm. which Per family kind of gives you, I think it's 160 acres. Yeah. It was a pretty lot good. of it's land. It's a pretty good little mm-hmm. chunk of land. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, America And America's, they just gave it away. Yeah. Yeah. America was big on Social, this. Socialism's bad, cat. Anyway. I mean, um, it was bad for the land in this case. Because all yeah, these people, well, people that didn't know out how to there, farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they come from other areas. They don't know how to farm the plains land. Um, and there was this, I think it's an old. It's an old saying. It's like the rain follows the plow. And they people believed heavily in Manifest Destiny at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they believed it was a God given right for them yep. to expand across America and that God would bless them and all this other stuff. Yep. So they just thought, you know, if we farm the land, the rain will come. Yeah. Well and that, it, it yeah. did, yeah. oddly. In the late twenties, um, yeah, they the weather patterns were very unusual and it was very good weather for some of the earlier years. And then all of a sudden bad weather bad weather and they weren't <laughs> prepared well not even bad just more normal huh and they weren't prepared because they thought that genuinely the what they were experiencing was the norm and it wasn't so they got overconfident kind yeah, of in I a see. way um but the farming techniques weren't concerned with keeping that like they're i'm not a farmer guys i have family members that are uh, I am not, but there's like different kinds of plows, different yeah. techniques, different ways that you plow the soil so that yeah. it, it stays. Well, I think they probably weren't even doing like the very basic crop rotation. Yeah. No, yeah. no, they, they weren't so worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they ended up unintentionally, but they knew they were doing it, but like not realizing what it would mean. They start stripping away these top layers of good dirt and the grass on the plains and if you've ever been to the plains it's it gets dry yeah it gets dry um and so the vegetation on top that tall prairie grass that you see and stuff that's meant to be there because it doesn't just anchor dirt down but it keeps moisture in Mm -hmm. and so as soon as they start stripping away that first layer the soil already takes a hit it's not supposed to be bare soil there yeah um so the nutrients are gone. They're like you said, they're not rotating crops. They there's this huge surge on wheat 
around World War One because of the way things were going in Russia and because of the war and the economy, wheat gets super valuable and it's getting shipped a lot from Europe just be- because America wasn't concerned with that at the time. And so mm-hmm. all these people who are moving out there are like, we should plant wheat. Again, they're not rotating crops. They're not using, you know, the right techniques and stuff. And they're stripping the soil by consistently planting the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. But they're also desperately trying to make money. And the land out there gets roughly 15 inches of rain, which isn't enough for certain crops to grow healthily. Yeah. Healthily? Healthily? To grow well. To grow well. To grow healthy. Big and strong. There you go. Big and strong. Grow big bones. Yes, big (laughs) bones. So when these large winds start sweeping through the plains... They pick up this dirt and they're carrying it in huge clouds that we know as dust storms. And some people started calling them black blizzards because you can see in the photos, it's just a wall of dark. It, mm-hmm. it looks like the fold in Shadow and <laughs> Dawn. Oh my God. Uh, I don't know how many people get that reference. <laughs> Hopefully but yes. a couple. If Hopefully not, a couple. Yeah. I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's... Well, okay. We're not going to get into that. Off topic again. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I, focus. <laughs> right. Focus. Because that's what we're good at. Yeah, um, we're so good at focusing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these black blizzards aren't necessarily always that dark topsoil. My sisters are out in East Texas, I guess you could qualify it as. That's where that is. Yeah. East Texas, really. Um, and they get dust storms. But it's like yeah. this red dust. And Your sisters are not... It's kind of like East North Texas. Okay, first of all, the Panhandle is not East Texas. Not you know. really in the Panhandle. Uh, where they are is not East Texas. East Texas is like east of Dallas, east of Houston. Oh my god, I got my, Louisiana. I got my directions. You got up, east and west, west mixed up. West, west Texas. <laughs> I think more specifically, you can say the Panhandle region. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I literally messed up my cardinal directions. <laughs> That's why I was like, hold, hold, hold on. I'm having a what rough one, are you guys. Talking about? I apologize. They are in West Texas. West Texas. And um, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty bad even for me. Um, anyway, they get this like red dust from where they are because that's what's out there in the panhandle. It's red. So it's not necessarily always like this cloud of black, but my sisters will send me snap videos of them vacuuming the inside of their door frames or windowsills. And it's just like red dust got sprinkled all over their apartment. And yeah, I've never been in a dust storm. That's modern insulation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We have seals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have weather strips and that weather strip does not help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I've driven through a dust storm. We were on our way to that city with my family, and I was really glad that I wasn't driving because yeah, it was it was intense. It's yeah, it's slow down to like twenty miles an hour and mm-hmm. just just pull over. Honestly, mm-hmm. at some point, you're Gotta like, let huh. it pass. Yeah, um, but you're not even safe in the car because it gets through your air vents, and you feel like ugh. <laughs> Yeah, so and then your lungs are all dusty. You're like, they'll send me snaps of them wearing masks indoors when the dust storms come oh through, and I'm like, if that's it's crazy. this bad with modern and people choose to live there, that's that's my thing. <laughs> well, it's, if it's that bad with modern technology, yeah. insulation and all that, and like filtering units, I can't imagine how bad this was in the 30s when that mm-hmm. stuff didn't exist. Yeah, and we did you have to read any books about it, like the no. Dust Bowl book? They talked about how people would have their plates upside down and cups upside down at the dinner plates at the dinner setting and then as they ate they would flip it over because if you left it like flipped upwards it would get so dusty that you couldn't use it whack so there's like lots of weird things that you you don't think about but it would have been miserable to deal with this for more reasons than you'd think um but it doesn't just get in your home and then go away it's not dust like we know it like it is stifling dust so it makes a lot of people sick. Um, they're calling it, they called it dust pneumonia. And there are studies that say a few thousand could have died from it. Wow. There are studies that say a lot more, a lot yeah. less. They don't know for sure. A lot of people left the area just because of health itself. Wow. I mean, and if you got caught outside in a dust storm, imagine being in the desert and like <sighs> the dunes yeah. kind of coming at you, like building, like there's pictures of cars buried in dust and That's sand. Insane. And so yeah. like, 
if you got caught and you got I imagine if you were like yeah exposed to like abrasive on your skin like sandpaper yeah yeah it's Ooh. like being sandblasted Ugh. um so really you couldn't it like it was a huge hazard like it was a terrifying hazard to get stuck outside in one of these storms like yeah. you, there if you got disoriented lost turned yeah. around you couldn't see you couldn't do anything you were just breathing it in like mm-hmm. it it was a very terrifying thing um the worst storm they know of was april 14th in 1935 it was dubbed um black sunday by the news stations um and it it was starting it started in oklahoma and it went east estimates say that it removed roughly three million tons of topsoil oh my god wow yeah so this is why we rotate our crops yeah people yeah Listen, um, I am interested in gardening, but I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, if you ever, if I ever have petunias, make sure they have a garden. Plant some rose bushes. Yeah, yeah. I won't strip the top layer of the soil. <laughs> yeah, because your rose bushes are a real concern for that. Um, Listen, it wouldn't be rose bushes; it would be food. Oh, I see. Yes, because I don't want to pay for that. My grandparents used to grow okra and tomatoes, and I, I, I really miss that. Man, if I had a house, house, I'd have a garden. Right. <sighs> Middle class is dying. We'll be renting forever. It's fine. <laughs> it's um, fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. It wasn't fine. Our life is doomed. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. Did you... Oh, this is off tangent, but it's kind of not. Did you see that the U.S. has slowed down population growth? It's the I did. This is like the 1930s. I did. The which census, with the census data? Is, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are like freaking out that it's bad, and I honestly kind of think there's a lot of benefits to that. I'm like... There is. The only thing is going to be like getting over like the wave of boomers that exactly. has to be taken care of. Which but is the problem. Other than that, like it'll be fine. In, is it China? Japan. Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, Japan and Russia also have inverted population pyramids yeah it's very interesting needs to happen eventually for us to be able to save the earth and like sustain life yeah yeah but also like it does suck but i'll take care of my parents it'll be fine Mm, even before that we didn't have social security so i know right and it's gonna run out by the time we're adults oh that's what i mean yeah 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 so we're fine we won't get any of those benefits that we're paying into Mm -hmm. our whole lives yeah. Anyway. anyway, but yeah, if you didn't know that, guys, that's actually really fascinating. Read up on population curves and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's really interesting, especially seeing that we've vowed to cut emissions in half by 2030. Yeah. That was like the only thing that I like really like from like your geography class. That was the only thing that I found like really interesting was, was. Like, population dynamics. Yeah. I don't, okay. And that's a very Maps. history thing. We can talk about that on here because yeah. that's a very, it's incredibly influential in history. Oh, it the definitely Generational is. changes. Yeah. Hmm. But Episode idea? That would be really interesting hmm, i'll write, write it, down. it down yeah excuse um, me if you hear clacking <laughs> but yeah so the next year um and 36 saw a heat wave that was the deadliest in u.s history and i think it caused roughly five thousand fatalities wow like just like they're talking like 120 degrees in areas Ooh. and i thought and no air conditioning i know and i'm like listen how? i'm upset um because tomorrow the high is 90 did you know is that? Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to die tomorrow. I could not have lasted in 120 with no AC. That's not going to be fun. I think I lit it. I, I, I'm not being dramatic. I think I would have died. The thing <laughs> is that after our final, I go upstairs to collections where it is kept a nice, crisp, cool temperature. With... There you go. I think I've just decided I'm not leaving my house after the final tomorrow. That's I'm just going to like get a pizza and eat it for lunch and dinner. Oh, that sounds and so good. And then just <laughs> wither away. That's so good. That's a good, that's a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, So people and livestock are dying. Like, like the animals, unless you have a really nice barn for them, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of hope. There's nothing you can do. The farms are absolutely decimated. By 1937, the administration, the government reports that 21% of rural families were getting some sort of emergency relief funds. Like, you had to. Yeah. Um, And the Great Depression starts in 29 20 28 29 oh gosh 29 29 okay yeah that's what i thought okay um come on now girl it's been a day it's been a weekend um so when that stock crashes when the whole market crashes people are you know you can't stop farming you can't just change that people need food across the u.s um and it starts 
with with the Great Depression, without a lot of job opportunities in other places and farms just not being able to survive, it starts a mass migration of farmers trying to find better working conditions. But the problem is job competition is very high right now. And as we see now in our modern times, when there's job competition, people really don't like outsiders coming into their markets. Yeah. They really don't. So 2.5 million people left the Dust Bowl area in the 30s. 2.5 million. Yeah. And these basically refugees are heading, a lot of them head towards the California area where um, there's, you know, there's a lot of prospective work. There's a lot of growth. And a lot of them are from Oklahoma. And so they're called Okies, which Ah. is kind of like their derogatory term. Yeah. And, um... Of course, like we were talking about, they're not open, like welcomed with open arms. People are really defensive. They don't want others coming in to take their jobs, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, which is not a I feel like there's a country song about that. Probably. They're uh, almost uh, definitely Oki is. from Muskogee. I think that's it. Hmm. I could be Never very wrong. Hmm. I don't but know. yeah, soon that name spreads to all of the Dust Bowl refugees and they start, they, they all pick up the name Okies no matter where they're from, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, New sense. Mexico, wherever. Yeah. Um, but by halfway through the Dust Bowl, so roughly mm, 1934, 35 million acres are ruined and wow. unfarmable. Yeah. And another 125 million are just losing their topsoil too fast to ah! sustain anything. So it also explains why food prices went up so much at this mm-hmm. time period and only, yeah. again, worsened the Worsened Great the effects of the Great Depression. Yeah. Wow. So people... Yeah, the Dust Bowl is not great for anyone. It's not just the farmers out. It's definitely worse on them than anyone else, but it's it's hard on the yeah. whole country. Mm-hmm. Um, and in response, there's the creation of the Soil Erosion Service and the Prairie State Forestry Project in 1935. They tried to create new techniques that would prevent soil erosion. They tried to spread awareness. The local farmers helped plant trees as a buffer for the wind on the plains. Mm-hmm. They're called shelter belts apparently yeah. uh-huh. i don't know that uh-huh. which is cool you'll see there. that a lot with like farms now the trees will help i've seen block that the wind. now yeah. i just didn't realize that like they didn't think to do that yeah because for yeah. me that's something you, you're used to seeing yeah you know? uh-huh. um fdr signs the soil conservation act in 1935 to you know help with sustainability mm-hmm. in 1941 a lot of these areas start getting normal rainfalls again and it doesn't you can't just restore nutrients that quickly yeah, but know. it 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 helps it helps um and what always helps financial situations in america war 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 <laughs> let me tell you the war the war got us out of the depression mm-hmm. fdr was helping with his new deal stuff mm-hmm. but but the war. the war got us out of the depression it was the war and yeah. in a lot of ways that did help this as well but it also took funds away from the rebuilding efforts yeah so it it, it was a lose win yeah a little yeah. more so for these people who are relying on those emergency relief yeah. funds and we still, to this day, run some major risks of this happening again. There are some people who are not being very sustainable. Like, the sustainability practices aren't as yeah. keyed in as they were. And there's a lot of research going on about how this could happen again and how it's actually interesting. a huge risk. And, yeah. And it, it's interesting because I, I found a couple articles where people were like, no, this will never happen again. We've taken precautions. We have government subs- like stuff ready for us. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who are saying like, no, you don't realize how how much we've damaged the land yeah. after decades of yep. this. <laughs> so I'd encourage y'all to read up on that. It was interesting and it made me rethink how like sustainability and how I eat too and how yeah, like, where I source my with, food. Yeah, like local grown, how much water goes into mm-hmm. making what? kind of crops and everything mm-hmm. and deforestation too like mm-hmm. not having wind breaks not having like developing yeah. out land and just tearing up dirt to build on it like yep. does it i mean i know damage. like like in places like lubbock i know there's like suburbs that are just buildings no trees no nothing hmm. and it's yeah. like i've seen i've actually seen tiktoks about it and how like there's this one guy on tiktok who talks a lot about how like suburban development is just like mind-numbing yeah. And a lot of the examples he uses are from Lubbock because it's just the same house over and over and over again. I'm, yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so 
Lots I mean, of things we know to that we damage about. our environment, but like sometimes you don't realize how much you're damaging your environment until it is too late. And then, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, that is the dust yeah. bowl, guys. That was good, Kat. That was short, but that was, was it good. short. I felt like I talked really fast today. No, I think you talked normal. Okay. Um, mine is also short, which is good because we've been having like insanely long episodes and I feel like we give can give you a relief. Yeah. Have a break for a week. Um, so yeah, that was great. I guess Thank I'll you. go. I'm ready for, to hear about the history of the number 13. Yes. As Kat said, I'm talking about the history of the number 13 for our 13th episode. I thought that was fitting mm-hmm. because, I don't know, 13 is a pretty iconic number. So, is it is it 13 or 7 that a lot of hotels won't have that floor number? 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a stat about that. But, okay. um, so... Yes, the history of the number 13. And before I get into this, uh, simply put, we have no idea where this came from. Uh, we do have some ideas. So this is going to be more of a collection of guesses and Ooh. facts, um, but not really an actual source from where this superstition <laughs> came from. So it's, it's a bit of fun, I think. Um, so <laughs> I agree. It's a bit of fun. <laughs> a bit fun. So, yeah, basically, we don't know where this... Uh, superstition around 13 started um it could be from a lot of different places and here i'm going to list all the places it could be yes, I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> so in no particular order uh we have <laughs> so starting off we have uh this idea that research have kind of pinpointed about the ancient world's fascination with the number 12 um as like this perfect number the ancient Sumerians even developed a number system based off 12 that we still use today to measure 12 mm, inches. We no, have 12 yeah. months. I didn't realize that went back as far as ancient Sumeria. Yeah. Um, me neither. Wow. <laughs> Apparently. Learn something new every day, right? Yeah. Um, so most calendars are 12 months. A day is separated into two 12-hour chunks. There's 12 zodiac signs. There's... If you look around for it, wow. like, there are, like, there's 12 of a lot of things. So, ancient people really like the number 12. And so, the distaste for 13 could kind of be, it just wasn't as good as 12. It was just the next number. You just tried 12 too is like, hard. 12 is the pinnacle. And what is 13? Trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, it could be from there. Or, it could be from the Bible. There's a lot of reasons why it could be from the Bible. Um, there were 13 guests at the Last Supper with, with Judas being the last guest last guest or the 13th guest so you know judas betrayed with kiss all that stuff not a great guy according to the bible mm, yeah so being a 13th guest not a good idea um some That's people an interesting one yeah some people also believe that the su- last supper or the crucifixion occurred on the 13th of the month that they happened in um 16th century numerologist this guy has the best name um so this guy 16th century he is um he's actually the main historical person people kind of credit with emphasizing the idea of 13 as an unlucky number his name is petrus bungus say it again petrus bungus b-u-n-g-e-g-u-s bungus you know i feel like he would be great at parties i feel like this guy is a hoot (laughs) so he identifies the number 13 as being unlucky from um, these different ways in the Bible, and I'm just pulling this quote from a Mental Floss article. Um, so it says, quote, Bungus records that the Jews murmured 13 times against God in the exodus from Egypt, that the 13th Psalm concerns wickedness and corruption, and that the, th- the circumcision of Israel occurred in the 13th year, unquote. Hmm. So, hmm. could be all of those reasons. So there's like four reasons from the Bible. Why it could what if be it's like all of unlucky. these just ganged up together and the I poor number 13 probably, never had a chance? <laughs> I, know, I think that's probably what happened. Um, or it could be from Norse mythology. Uh, there's another story about a dinner where the Norse god of mischief, as we know and love him, Loki, Loki. Um, crashing a similar di- dinner party to <laughs> the Last Supper in Valhalla. And he arrived as the 13th god present, which upset the balance of power in the dinner or something. And then chaos ensued, I guess. Okay. Um, I would like to say that, like, history-wise, the comparisons between religion is fascinating. And the amount of times that you can find parallel stories between different religions is incredible. It's really interesting. Very interesting. What is it? The Enuma Elish? Yes. That has, like, the creation of a flood and storm and, like... Uh-huh. It's really it has similar a, to like, a lot. It's like very similar. Yeah. The Enuma Elish, the, uh, if you read the Epic of Gilgamesh, 
It's just so fascinating. They're, uh, they're like, so and historically, so the way they like diverge from each other, and yeah. they're still the same. They yes. keep the same principles. Oh, so fascinating. So interesting. We should do an episode on that. Would be we a should. huge multi-part episode, yes, though. But it would be good. That would be anyway. Anyway, yeah. Um, I'm getting lots of episode ideas today. Yeah. Um. So, or it could have been from this ancient Greek almanac. By, that was written by the poet Hesiod called Works and Days. And this warns against the sowing of seeds on the 13th of the, quote, waxing moon, month, which I think just means, like, the 13th of the, like, moon-based mm-hmm. calendar or something. Um, but it doesn't really explain why. Just don't do it, I guess. Okay. Um, and then there's all these, like, different reasons. So traditionally, there are 13 steps to the gallows. And then the articles I read did point out that like gallows varied widely in their design but one of the most common features is that there were 13 steps leading up to the platform um and then there was this this mass um arrest and execution of the knights templar that apparently this crusade against them began on friday the 13th 1307 which we do know that is a fact however it has been disproved that it was as dramatic as people think. Like, the story has been that, like, all of the Knights Templar got rounded up and executed on Friday the 13th. That's not the case. Just a few of them were arrested on that day. And then the, the rest were, like, slowly arrested and, like, I guess executed in the days follow. I don't know much about the Knights Templar, but apparently this... I don't either. I know National Treasure. <laughs> yeah. Apparently this hit was, like, ordered by a French king who was mad at, like, the English or something. I don't know. It, huh. was, it was an interesting little story. It might be worth an episode one day. But... I was about to say, the Knights Templar is one of those things I hear about and never actually, like, yeah. know what's going on. So that would be a good episode. That would be a good episode. Yeah. Um, and then, so, apparently women menstruate roughly 13 times a year. Uh, the moon has roughly 13 full revolutions a year. And witches' covens traditionally had 13 members. So... All of those things together, I guess, could 13. make yeah. thirteen a bad number. Poor thirteen really just had some bad luck. Yeah. Um. So, Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> Why Friday suck? We don't know either. There's a few guesses as well. Um. This could also find the roots in its Bible and find its roots in the Bible, as a lot of people believe Jesus could have been executed on a Friday. Um. Apparently, in the 13th, 14th, and 14th centuries, people started hating on Friday for no apparent reason. Um, there was this playwright that described something called a Friday face, where the individual had a sad look of dismay or anguish. Um, even Chaucer wrote uh, in the Canterbury Tales that he didn't like Fridays, describe, describing it as a day of misfortune. Chaucer would be another good episode. Oh my god, we have so many episodes. I know. We should be... Are we writing this down? <laughs> um, No. <laughs> Okay. You can write them down. Oh. Yeah, well, well start... we have separate episode lists. But... but I'll put this in the communal one. Yeah. So in the 17th century, another playwright described, quote, a plague of Friday mornings, the most unfortunate day in the whole week. 20 years after that play was published, another playwright wrote, quote, now Friday came, you old wives say, of all the weeks, the unluckiest day. So basically, no reason why, but people just randomly decided that Fridays sucked, um, which is really funny because, like, that's very opposite of, like, what we now perceive Fridays as. Crazy what the work week does to culture. So somehow the distaste for 13 and the distaste for Friday had to become one. So. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. So, like I said before, this popular belief that the Knights Templar was, like, the reason, the Knights Templar thing was, like, the reason why people thought that Friday the 13th was an unlucky day. That's not actually the case. And that idea was popularized by the book and movie, The Da Vinci Code. (laughs) So, people were like, oh, yeah, Friday the 13th, the Knights Templar thing, right? No, that's just from Dan Brown. (laughs) I'm ashamed to admit I've never actually read that. I've I've never read it either. And I just didn't. Yeah, maybe one day. I know. Yeah, I so, have time. Yeah. So, like I said, there were some knights arrested on this date, but nothing really happened other than that. Nothing worthy of note, at least. Uh, and, in fact, the kind of combination of uh, Friday the, uh, Friday and 13 is a, very much a 20th century cl- uh, creation. As I have said, the distaste for 13 was definitely in popular culture, as we can tell throughout the centuries before 1900. So starting around, like, I would say, honestly, like, 1500 or so. People were like, oh, 13, unlucky number. 
Um, but it took until the early 20th century to find, to like connect the pair. The first popular account of the two together was in a book by, in 1907 by Thomas Lawson, who was a stockbroker guy. Um, and he wrote about a character who is also a stockbroker, creative, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of Wolf of Wall Street style. You write what you know. And he, um, this character in his book apparently crashed the stock market um, on Friday the 13th. Mm. Um why? I don't know. I haven't read the book. So uh, one year later, we see the first mention of Friday the 13th being an unlucky day in a news source. And this is a quote from a Vox article. So, um, quote, a notice in the New York Times from March 14th, 1908, notes that one brave senator had defied the odds and introduced 13 public building bills in the, into the Senate on the unlucky day. Friday the 13th holds no terrors for Senator Owen, the Times declared. So hmm. interesting, right? Kind of sensationalizing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, we see some more ideas of, like, 13th in movies. There's a movie called The 13th Guest, um, released in 1932, and a movie called The Mystery of the 13th Guest in 1943. And basically, this all culminated in one thing that really cemented Friday the 13th in popular culture. There you go. And it will be the movie series, (laughs) Friday the 13th. (laughs) So the first movie is released in 1980, and I did see an article point this out, but it's really hilarious that a movie called Friday the 13th has 12 movies. Are there really 12 (laughs) movies? They made 12 movies, so they couldn't be bothered. They couldn't be bothered to make one more. I've never actually seen any of them. Me neither. I didn't realize there were 12. I thought there were maybe like two or three. No, it's a big deal. They're still making Friday the 13th movies, I think. Or at least they were a couple years ago. Is that the one with Freddy Krueger? I think so. Okay, I know who Freddy Krueger is. No, I think that's Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah, Friday the 13th is just another horror movie. Okay. Like 80s slasher horror um wow yeah 12 so they couldn't i mean if you're gonna do 12 might as well do 13 right that has to be one of the biggest oh it's huge but like i'm just upset that they couldn't get a 13 yeah watch (laughs) they're gonna do it like they're gonna tomorrow announce that like mgm's taking on a whole new like probably yeah um so yeah so friday the 13th really cemented the day into popular uh popular culture now everyone knows friday the 13th blah 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 if you didn't know this most tattoo shops will offer a friday the 13th Mm -hmm. special where they'll usually have something a a major discounted tattoo on friday the 13th Mm -hmm. it's a whole lot of fun um but do if you plan on doing that call ahead and make sure they actually do it and some shops have like rules and guidelines about yeah what you can get and everything sometimes they have like pre-selected yeah that you can like get for like 13 dollars $13. Like quick, easy. Yeah, super easy. Most shops will do like $13 tattoo and $13 chip, tip. So it's like $26 mm-hmm. for a little tattoo. It'll be like pretty sweet deal. There's a couple in Dallas that yeah. have like the little witch's The place here does it too. Or like a little hat yeah. or a black cat or something yeah, it's like, like really fun and cute. Yeah. It's really cute. Um, my goal in life is to get a Friday the 13th tattoo. I have not managed to yet because I keep remembering like way late in the right. day. And it's then like really... by like 8 p.m., all the shops are full for well, the night. And where we are. <laughs> the tattoo yeah. parlors in our town I, I don't i everyone i know goes to another a different town than ours they go to like a yeah. big major central area yes uh, i don't know if i would get tattooed here <laughs> anyway so now i have some fun facts related to the number 13 and friday the 13th i'm ready in no particular order so 13 letters in a name apparently mean that the name the person is cursed um some examples of this include charles manson jack the ripper jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer theodore bundy and Albert DeSalvo. I just realized that I'm at 12. I got so <laughs> close. I think I'm at 12. No, I know. Wait. My first name's... No, I'm at 11. I'm 11. I'm good. Seven and four. Oh, no, I'm good. Okay. No, no, You're no, good. I'm You're good. good. Okay. <laughs> and apparently even Hitler's bad ties named Adolphus Hitler mm-hmm. is 13 letters. So there you go. Interesting wow. fun fact. Uh, the Code of Hammurabi even excluded it from its numbering of laws. Really? Um, if you don't know the Code of Hammurabi, it's one of the earliest and most complete legal codes made by the King Hammurabi in Babylon in 1700 BCE. This includes uh, 282 laws and included information on punishments if you break those laws. A little brief background on Code of Hammurabi. Um, and apparently that was like the rumor for a long time, but apparently it was like a clerical thing. They just forgot to renumber. They like omitted the 13th rule and then like oh. forgot to renumber. <laughs> Love it. Um, is the code of Hammurabi eye for an eye? I, what is, where's, no, I think that's the Bible. I thought it was the code of Hammurabi. I don't know. 
I'm going to look at it. You keep going. Yeah, you look at it. Um, so the infamous uh, mystery, uh, Winchester Mystery House in California. I'm doing an episode Catching on that. Catching an episode on that, and I'm so excited. Um, has And if you know anything about the house, it was built by Sarah Winchester, the heiress to the Winchester fortune, as in Winchester rifle. Um, she basically believed that like the spirits of all the people who were killed by Winchester rifles in the Civil War were haunting her. And in order to escape her fate, she had to keep building a house. So this winch- uh, this mystery house is like insane because she just kept building and building and building onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing in a house that has like crazy amount of things, like 600 rooms or something like that, there is an, a suspicious repetition of the number 13. Um, all the staircases have 13 steps. Uh, I do believe there's like something like 13 oh. bathrooms, something like that. It's um, the number 13 is shown a lot, like 13 fireplaces in the house. It's very interesting. That um, is. Like why that number is the one she like clung on to when like everything else was just so like insane and like blown up because she had to just keep building. Yeah. Um, businesses around the globe lose up to a billion dollars total each year because of the superstition of the number 13. Uh. Yeah, because people just won't do things. They won't travel. They won't have weddings. They won't celebrate. They won't do stuff like that on Friday the 13th. And apparently Franklin D. Roosevelt was among these. He was apparently unwilling to start a trip or even sit down for an important dinner with 13 guests. Thought it was bad luck. Really? Yeah. Imagine being that one like presidential aide, and they're just like, "Hey, can you come sit at this table so there's not 13 people?" <laughs> right. You can sit with like the king of whatever. You just gotta. Please, Franklin needs some help. <laughs> um, yeah. So apparently, Super Bowl 13 was a very unlucky day for a lot of bookkeepers, though. They lost a lot of money. Apparently, that's like the Super Bowl with oh. the bookkeepers like lost the most mo- money in bets surrounding huh. the Super Bowl. Also, yes, Hammer Obby's code, code has one ah. of the original I for an I. I sayings. see. Interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of buildings, like Kat said, will simply skip skip thirteen when they number their floors, and I believe it was around eighty percent of buildings at one point Whoa. that would skip. 13 and i don't know if that's 80 percent of buildings or 80 percent of hotels because i know hotels are specifically yeah very superstitious about that number and apparently like certain hotels won't have windows at the end of the hallways on certain floors like that mm. on like 7 and 13 apparently i don't know i do know that 7 is another active floor on hotels usually yeah yeah well like i think it's they worry about like suicides yeah because yeah but anyway. also do you know when like the 13 hysteria kind of peaked like historiography wise or is it still kind of in its peak i would say knowing the victorians it was probably in their time but i think specifically friday the 13th has really blown okay. up now because okay. it's such a part of our culture yeah, I was thinking of when were all, most of our buildings built. Yeah. I'd say that the like superstition re-numbered. of 13 probably peaked in the Victorian era. Hmm. And Friday the 13th is probably peaking now. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And uh-huh. I guess it is easy enough to take a building from like the 70s and renumber yeah. it all if uh-huh. you just don't want 13 on it. Yeah. Um, and I think like since 13 has been known as such an unlucky number for so long, mm-hmm. um, like... I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting it's thing. A, that yeah. Just, I guess no one wants to live on the 13th floor, you know? I would, but also <laughs> I yeah. work in a haunted house, so it's fine. There you go. Um, yeah. So other than... Hold on. Let me finish these things. So you are statistically less likely to be hurt on Friday the 13th than any other day of the year because people aren't doing things. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's true. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's kind of like the self manifesting self-fulfilling prophecy yeah uh uh-huh so and then ancient egyptians actually considered 13 to be a lucky number um the fear of 13 is called triskaidekaphobia triskaidekaphobia yeah parachiskaidekaphobia is the proper name apparently um and although there have been some rough plane crashes on friday the 13th in the past um there hasn't really been enough that ever has happened on Friday the 13th to be, like, historically significant in any way or to, like, mm. actually make it an unlucky day. Um, and, yeah, many other cultures have unlucky numbers for some reasons that seem maybe more warranted. Italians don't like the number 17, apparently, because you can rearrange the Roman numerals for it, which would be 
XVII for 17, so you can rearrange those uh, Roman numerals into VIXI, which translate to translates to something like "My life is over." Oh. Um. So, but that's only if you rearrange the Roman numerals. So I think they're being a little dramatic on. on I mean, (laughs) you could say the same thing about some of our superstitions. (laughs) Yeah. Um. In China, the word for four sounds like the word for death. And they also they often skip this number the same way th- uh, thirteen is skipped in America mm. and or in like Western world. Mm. Um, so it's interesting. And then in Japan, apparently the number or the word for nine is pronounced like the word for suffering or torturing. So there's some similar sounding words to me. That's more warranted than like we're gonna pick a random number and not like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a vendetta. I'm gonna take it out on this poor number. Yeah. So that's it for me. That was another short one for me. We're at 50 minutes. That's Whoa. like the shortest we've ever done. Should we like discuss know. a weird fact or discuss some like... I think we should discuss a weird fact. Oh, wait. Let's... You want to grab the book? Oh, I got to get it. I don't want to bump the mic. Okay. We're developing a new part of our show um, when the rare occasion when we're under an hour. I think we could get it to an hour. Oh, yeah. No. Um, so this is going to be... Cat and Kaylee riffing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do we know about history? Um, hat pins. Hat pi- Oh, that's a good hat one. Hat pins. Tell us about hat so, pins, Kat. Um, when you look at like really old hats and you're like, wow, these ladies have their hair piled really big on their, like mm-hmm. Victorian-ish mm-hmm. and they don't have it tied down. What they use is something called hat pins, which is basically, think like almost chopstick sized, maybe yeah. a little smaller mm-hmm. and it's sharpened so that you can thread it through the hat and the hair and kind of clip the hat onto your hair. Yeah. And there was a while when men <laughs> who didn't like the fact that women had something sharp and pointy on them yep. made this whole campaign of like fear mongering against hat pins. Yeah. They're and like, Oh my God, women are going to stab, stab us. us. And women were like, well, why would you like give us a reason to stab you? Like, <laughs> yeah. Women's like, I'll only do it if you deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. but like women were handing out pamphlets on like safety with your nice. hat pin. Nice. And like, it told women like gouge their eyes first, go for the eyeball first, <laughs> and men were getting so freaked out. And it's of interesting because it's a long history of men not liking women's fashion because it doesn't serve them. Yep. Uh huh. Um, poke bonnets. Yep. I believe is what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, where the bonnets kind of Regency era that had a long brim, so like the front of it went really far forward, like a visor, mm-hmm. and men would like make these cartoons and joke about how poke bonnets were like huge and annoying and how they were too long and they like hid women's faces and they they made like over exaggerated drawings of men getting yeah. like, sucked into them or like sta- <laughs> like stabbing themselves with the brim of it and they couldn't get close enough to women or see women's faces which i feel like is the earliest version of like show me a smile honey show oh, me a absolutely. smile and well, the, the women were just is, like you know yeah it's such it's such an interesting thing that there's this whole history of like men not being able to like comprehend that women's fashion is like not exclusively for them yeah like <laughs> hoop skirts are if another you, one like look at history like historical fashion like you can tell that a lot of women's clothing is not served or based around men mm-hmm. well like, and a lot of it nowadays mm-hmm. has switched the script like corsets were not for men no i mean yes it was shapewear so women could fit a yeah. i mean they wanted to fit a common figure yeah but at the same time 20 pounds of wet woolen skirts in the English countryside, you needed some support. You didn't want it sitting on your hips. Mm-hmm. And of course, well, not to it, mention, like, that was a bra, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, like, if you're a woman and you've got, you know, whatever you believe gave you, I don't know if it's God or whatever, but if God gave you a good <laughs> mama, set, then what mama, God, what, what mama, mama gave, gave you. <laughs> yeah. What mama gave you a good set, they're, it's heavy. Oh, like, yeah. And it's, I know women now in my historic costuming groups who wear corsets because they're good back support. They support from below. They support mm-hmm. that weight from below instead of putting it all on your shoulders, exactly. which is better for your body. Yeah. And that truly, like, form, the the intent for corsets to be a form thing wasn't really as much of a thing until we're looking mm-hmm. at, like, Gibson Girl in yeah. Victorian era when they and really that wanted S-Bend. that cinch waist to the S-Bend yeah. corsets. Yeah. And that's, that brings me to another thing. Uh, photoshopping historical pictures. Yes. Yeah. We are not the only people because we have like software and stuff to doctor pictures. Victorians Mm -hmm. did it too. And they would like paint over, like say their waist was like an inch or two too big. Mm -hmm. They would like have, they would paint over the negatives um, to make their waist smaller. 
and they would like photoshop you can like look up articles about it it's wow. really interesting or they would um like accentuate part of their body and like paint over it it was mainly having to do with the waist so if you ever see a picture of a victorian woman which is like impossibly skinny waist mm-hmm. chances are it's uh it's a uh, it's like an old for- a form of photoshop yeah that's cool yeah so we've always been vain and i love that yeah i know it like there's always been an ideal which yeah. i feel like i mean women in uh which of which of king henry's wives was it was it boleyn i don't know but back then it was really fashionable to have a big forehead they would yeah. shave their hair back from yeah. their forehead to uh-huh. fit it under their caps or like uh queen elizabeth times i think it's maybe her. that's what i'm thinking of. yeah it was like that pale like white yeah like like no blemishes, mm-hmm. no facial features. Apparently, Which it's just like a white circle. Her skin doing yeah, that. like the using like toxic makeup. Mm-hmm. Well, uh-huh. and like women's fa- women used to put urine in their hair yeah. to try and bleach it to get uh-huh. it blonde. And uh-huh. like, there's so much stuff in history that like you look at it and you're just like, wait, <laughs> how is th- how is this a common practice? But I know. It's, it is and then you think about like what in 200 years from now are we going to be thinking about us? Well, right like, now, oh my God, how could you do that? I mean, how long ago was it? A hundred years ago, people wanted to look like they were dying of tuberculosis. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that, that, thin... well, I mean, in the nineties that like, they called it like heroin chic, like yeah. that thin waif, like, like mm-hmm. almost decrepit, like bodily yeah. <laughs> ideal. And like we, it's so fascinating to see the, sp- the pendulum swing back and forth mm-hmm. in an almost hundred year cycles. Yeah. Like, well, everyone, like, fashion is cyclical. 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah. There's I mean, no new ideas. Back, yeah. Corsets are back, guys. Corsets are back. Corsets um, are back. Kat still hasn't worn one to class, which I think is a shame. Um, what do you want me to do? Just wear, wear a corset under to my class? Shirt? You could. You mean to do that during our final? <laughs> if you get strapped into a corset that early just, in the morning. Uh, yeah. I'll spend the whole day in collections wearing a corset. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you won't dislocate a rib. <laughs> if you're right. <laughs> but the Photoshop thing that you were talking about is interesting because when I went back and I was looking at the photos of Victorian ectoplasm, yeah. I found a lot of ghost Photoshop. Yes. And I guess it's a... Spirit l- photography? Yeah. A long exposure shot? Yeah. It's, and you um, have a person move? No. It's uh, a double exposure. Okay. And they and back when people weren't familiar with the idea of uh, concepts of like photo- photography and double exposure. So they would like take a picture and then have take another picture. And so say like the family a family came in and was like, "Hey, uh you know, you're a spirit photographer and we just lost our uncle. Um could you see if you could get him?" So they he would have the family like the spirit photographer would have the family take a picture and then later he would use that same film and have like a stand-in oh. for like the uncle. Um, oh. And then he would develop the picture, show it to the family, and be like, whoa, this person wasn't here when you took the picture. So that's how that would work. Huh. And be like, wow, it's Uncle Bill. <laughs> you know what that makes me think of, too, is death photography. Mm. And this is, like, especially uh, Victorian. Again, the Victorians, like, they're not prudish, but they're very prudish. Like, yeah. it, it's a really weird combination. <laughs> they're so interesting. It, they really are. And death, I mean, death used to be such a different concept. Yeah. Because it, it like, mortuaries weren't a thing. You left mm-hmm. a body to lie in wait in the, in the home of the family. Like, you. Yeah, it you, was very. You, you were comfortable with death. Comfortable. You, you were very comfortable with it. It was sad, but it was part of life much more than it is now. Mm-hmm. Victorians. Um, Which I wonder if it comes from our knowledge of medical stuff now. I guess like so. Our, our ability to feel like we're invincible because I of think, our medical I, knowledge. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, or like people shouldn't die. Even yeah. though like. Which I'm some very people, glad for our medical yeah, knowledge Yeah. Like some. But the thing is, it's like people do die. Yeah. <laughs> and I think our culture now kind of like you say like we kind of imagine ourselves as invisible like to think that we're going to live forever yeah whereas victorians were like very open with the concept of death so much so that they were like they would do things like yeah have the bodies be in the house while you know Mm -hmm. awaiting the funeral of a lot of victorians would just like take casual picnics in graveyards to just be Mm -hmm. with loved ones and graveyards weren't really a place of like solemn 
like remembrance and like serious stuff they mm-hmm. were a place of like celebrating life and it helps that they used to be on a church a lot of them used yeah. to be attached to a church so mm-hmm. on the way out of church you walked past the cemetery yeah. it was a normal uh-huh. occurrence you didn't seek out yeah. cemeteries they were Which, there fun fact i learned that the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard is a graveyard is attached to a church and really? a cemetery is separate from a church oh there's a child that outside the window that living scared me daylights out of me i thought it was a ghost <laughs> <laughs> There's a ghost of a small child. on the window. My heart just went out of my chest. Oh, my God. Oh, I literally just got the biggest adrenaline rush of my life. Whoa. Anyway, we're talking about death photography. I know. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So when you can find these pretty easily, just, oh, sorry. I held the mic in front of my mouth. I popped a pee. Um, <laughs> you good? Okay. Um... I was literally thinking about, like, dead children. This child just bangs on the window out of nowhere. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Anyway, so you can Google them. Just death photography, Victorian. Um, They would take bodies after death, and they would um, pose them and photograph them. Like, it's really eerie. Because you can – it's not easy to see, but, I mean – a lot of these people, you didn't get a photograph. I was going to say, it's probably because they just didn't have a picture of them you yet. You wanted a picture, yeah. something to remember. About. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a lot of children you yeah. see in these death photographs because they mm-hmm. didn't have a chance to get their photo taken beforehand. Yeah. But like, what's creepy is you can sometimes see the wires holding them in a sitting position Ooh. and stuff. Or like their family holding them, like posing with the Ooh. body. And it's it's creepy, but it's yeah. fascinating. And it's it's yeah. also an interesting look at how we deal with death. There's I found this book at Half Price Books called... um. The History of Death, and there's another one called, like, The History of Torture, and I Mm. got them both, and they're at home in Dallas, and I should bring them back because they'd be a fascinating read. But, like, it's really interesting how different cultures, and even the same cultures, deal with death in different time periods, because that's not something we would really consider doing at all now. Yeah, that's true. But, like, for them, it was... Yeah. Like, you posed, you opened their eyes, you Mm -hmm. sat them up, you sat them with their favorite doll or their dog or something, and Mm -hmm. you... It was your one chance to remember them by. Yeah. No, that is really interesting. And, like, okay, there's a really nice, like, a very pleasant cemetery right by mm-hmm. where we both live. And, like, I have people who are like, oh, because I, you know, me and all my roommates, and I know Kat has before, but, like, we'll go and, like, take walks in there. Yeah. It's, like, a pretty normal thing. Like, people run in there. Like, it's it's a very pleasant mm-hmm. space. And it's, you know, safe. So if you're, like, on a run, then it's much safer to, like, run in there than, like, on a road. On a road, yeah. Um, but people are like, oh, you go in there? Like, that's so weird. Like, don't you feel bad? Well, and, and at like, the historic house, I tell them, like, the whole family who built this house, including the infant that died at birth, they're all mm-hmm. buried together in this cemetery. Yeah. Like, go check it out if you want to. And they're like, go to a cemetery? And I'm like, yeah. Y- yes. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, it's like, a, a, you know, if you, depending on what you believe in, but you could see it as, like, a time to kind of, like, hang out with... With someone you're... With left. someone, yeah. Or, or just with really cool people. Really cool the people who founded people. the place where you live yeah, or the place like, where you work. Or... Yeah, and it's honestly a very, like, it, it's, if you find the right cemetery, I'm not saying all cemeteries have this vibe, mm-hmm. but if you find the right cemetery, it can be a really peaceful and, like, enjoyable the, and pleasant yeah. experience. The yeah. one, well, and that's the only reason, because you live next to it. I live next to it. Like, yeah. like, next Like, to basically, it. you walk out my front door and you see it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and if I, like, I used to be more scared of cemeteries than I am now. My mm-hmm. mom kind of normalized them for me. Yeah. She learned to drive in a graveyard because her dad was a pastor. Mm. And that was his thing. Like, you're you're not going to kill anyone here. Like, yeah. you're going to learn to drive <laughs> in a cemetery. They're yeah, already dead. What's going to happen? Yeah. And, and there's so, awesome, there's awesome resources like Find a Grave. If yeah. you're ever looking for a certain person, like, historical person's grave anywhere, Mm-hmm. Uh, find a grave is a great thing. They usually even have a picture of what their tombstone looks like. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's something fascinating I can talk about. So, I was talking to one of our professors in class. He was talking about like the history of graveyards and their prominence and importance. And I was like, yeah, this is a cool lecture. And it got yeah. so interesting. So, apparently, old cemeteries used to like. It wasn't organized in rows as we know it now, mm-hmm. and so it it came along with the that that laid out grid style that we yeah. have now is mostly due to lawnmowers. 
Because in olden days, you <laughs> like when graveyards were fenced in and attached to a church, you just set your goats free in there and they <laughs> ate the grass down yeah, and kept sense. it maintained. But when people stopped using their animals to keep the grass get like down, uh-huh. they had to rearrange a lot of these cemeteries. Yeah. So a lot of the cemeteries where they're in rows but they look really old actually don't mark where yeah. the coffins are anymore. Yeah, they're, that's true. They had to move the headstones and mm-hmm. they didn't move the bodies to that's be able so to maintain the grounds. Yeah. Which is you know, really that, interesting. That makes me think because I've lived here for about a year now and I've never like seen them mowing in the cemetery but I know that they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like whenever I go in there I'm very like careful like not to walk like across graves. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to walk like on top of someone this one should like, be I'll fine walk. they wouldn't have moved anything in this yeah. one it's too modern no yeah i know but like just but, yeah. thinking about lawnmowers going over those over graves, graves you're like, you're like ooh, ooh, what poor person has I to just clench his jaw and drive a lawnmower oh. over all these spaces yeah anyway yeah yeah that was I, I think that was a bit of fun. A, that was fun. fun. Well, and there's always more to talk about if we yeah. want to. We can talk about yew trees well, and how we they're superstitious. Are. But we did we make it to an hour? We made it to an hour. <gasps> we made it to an so we hour. gotta save it for next time. Yeah, we'll bring you more fun facts about cemeteries and death photography and, and random other stuff off the top of we our got head. Morbid there. We kinda we went did. From hat pins to death photography and cemeteries. Interesting. Um some psychologist is gonna listen to this and be like psychoanalytically this is just their mess they're, they're <laughs> well, mess. we knew that so yeah um yeah well thanks for sticking around for all of our fun facts if you're still here thanks for listening yeah um it was a fun episode i think even though it was a little short it was actually kind of fun to riff like that and just it talk was about history it was so, you have yeah. to keep that in mind for later yeah um um follow yeah. us on our twitter at t-i-n-a-h-l podcast yep and email us at this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. You could also get a shout out. Um, or give us a suggestion. You. Give us if a one suggestion. of you suggests something and we'll do it, we'll throw we'll throw you an at. Absolutely. Um anyway, yeah. Thanks for wicked wickening. What? Wickening? Wickening. Watching, listening. Watching, listening. Uh living. Thanks for tuning existing. in, guys. <laughs> tuning in. Anyway, um yeah. hope, hope y'all you have a great survive week. finals week if you're in school. If you're and... in school, if you're not in school, hope you survive this week. Yeah. Uh, just in general. And every you other week it. after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. All right. Bye. Bye.